in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, you guys already know the answer. I hear you guys all saying it. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Does this sound familiar at all? To Raise your hand if that verse sounds familiar. Uh, how many of you, when I said in the beginning, you thought I was going to say God created the heavens and the earth? Very similar. We're going to be looking at the book of John. This is written by John, one of the disciples of Jesus. And he's doing this on purpose. He's reflecting creation as he starts off his account of the life of Jesus. So your Bible's broken up into two parts. You have the Old Testament, and the Old Testament starts in Genesis, and then you have the New Testament, and the New Testament begins with kind of like the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John is on purpose. He's reflecting Genesis. We're gonna look at that in just a moment. But first, I wanna get to know you guys and introduce myself. You, you already heard my name, but you don't know anything about me. My name's Robert. Uh, I'm from a church in Arizona, and so I'm very grateful to be here right now, where it is much, much cooler than where I live. Uh, there was one person from Surprise, Arizona, I heard. Anybody else ever been or heard of Arizona? Just raise your hand. Okay, cool. California education. Good job, guys. I want to know who are the freshmen in the room. If you're a freshman, would you just like raise a hand, stand up, do something? Okay. Whoa, did we just boo the freshmen? Do you remember how hard it was to be a freshman? How quickly... How quickly you forget, freshmen, I got your back. Where are my sophomores at? Oh, man. You guys are booing. No, okay, so when I, when I say your class, I want to hear cheers from those who are in that class, not boos from the other three classes. Okay, where, where are my juniors at? There we go. It's amazing the confidence boost from being an underclassman to an upperclassman. I think we just proved that point. And where are my seniors at? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then where are all of our like faculty, counselors, parents? Yeah. All right, you still got some energy. Uh, how many of you, go ahead and stand up if you in your sibling group are the youngest sibling. Stand up right where you're at. I want to see where my youngest at. Okay. I see you. I see you. I see you. Listen, listen. We all see you, okay, we get it. Okay, you guys can have a seat. If you are the oldest, go ahead and stand up. If you are the oldest, okay, responsible. Very responsible, I like it. All right, if you are a middle child, nobody cares, just stay seated. It's, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, stand up, all the, all the middle children. Yes, yes. Yes, my, uh, my wife absolutely hates that joke, and I think it's funny every time. And then, this is just a, a fun little fact, this has nothing to do with where we're going. Uh, I actually found out this year that my whole life I thought I was the youngest. Turns out, thanks 23andMe, turns out I am a middle child. A little family drama. And for years I've been making fun of middle children and that's why you don't make fun of people, okay? All right. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're going to geek out on science a little bit in, in this session. Uh, how many of you know that light is not actually, a, or darkness is not a thing, it's the absence of a thing? All darkness is, is the absence of light. And here John says that the light shines in the darkness, and he's talking about Jesus. The darkness that you and I experience in this world is the absence of a thing. And I'm not just talking about like physical darkness, the, the darkness that, that we experience in our lives. The darkness that we experience in the world around us, it's, it's the absence of a thing. And probably a more accurate way of saying that, it's the absence of a, of a who, a person. And his name is Jesus. And to understand this absence that, that we feel, that we are longing, and I'm telling you, every one of us, if we sat down and had a conversation, every single one of us, we have these desires, these things that, that we're longing for something that we just can't quite find. And I believe it's because we were created for something that this world cannot offer, but that God has created us for. To understand, we have to go to the beginning. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see the same language in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's the big question, why did God do that? Why did God create the heavens and the earth? And I'll give you a short answer. As you read through scripture, you find out that the answer is, is this thing called love. And love, it's this, if, if I were to ask everybody here, hey, what's love? We'd probably come up with lots of different definitions of Love. I remember the first time I fell in love was in kindergarten. And her name was Lauren. Or Lainey, can't remember. Might have been Michelle, I don't remember. But I was in love, and I remember I saw Susan, and I said, man, I really... I love her, and, I, and I, my heart would beat fast, and I, I'd get those butterflies in the stomach, you know, when I was around her. And so one day I decided to do something bold, and I walked up to her, and I kissed her. Yeah. Calm down. You can tell I went to public school, okay? And I kissed her, and I made the kissy, the kissy sound. You know the kissy sound? Yeah, you guys know the kissy sound, Okay. And I kissed her, and my friend, he, he was from India, his name's Deepan, he walks up to me and he goes, what did you do? Like, why did you just walk up and kiss her? And I remember, I said with this great confidence, as a five-year-old, I said, because I felt like it. Oh. Yeah, and I said it like that, like, yeah. I lost all confidence by high school. That did not last. But in that moment, that's what I, I thought love was, it was these feelings was these emotions, and I, as I got older, I started to understand that, that maybe love is something, something deeper than that. Maybe that's not really what love is. And then I, when I was in college, I went on this trip to Africa, and I got seated next to this girl who was on the same trip that I was on, but I didn't really know her. And I started talking to her, and back then, when you would fly, like, internationally, they didn't have screens on the backs of the seats in the airplanes. Yeah, whoa, I know. And so guess what we did? We talked. What? We talked to the person next to us. This is the craziest thing. You guys, 
Look it up in a book. It's crazy. So we talk. And so we're talking and we're, we're flying and we have to go to Europe and then we go and we make our connection to Africa. And by the time we get there, we've gotten past just like superficial, like, oh, what color do you like? Uh, you know, like what, what kind of music do you listen to? Like we were talking about a lot of things. I'm like, I like this girl. And I started feeling those feelings, those, you know, kindergarten Robert feelings all over again. And then on the flight home, we're sitting next to each other again. Like they put our tickets right next to each other. Like, thank you, Jesus, for this, this moment. And we're flying home. And her name's Lindsay. And I say, Lindsay, I'm, I'm going to share my line with you guys. But I need you to promise. All the guys look at me right now. All the guys. Okay. You cannot use this line for two reasons. One, it's my line. Get your own. Two, it's a terrible Terrible line. So here's what I said, and I'd like to blame jet lag. As we're flying over the United States towards the end of this trip, we've been serving, doing ministry in Africa for a couple weeks at this point. We're all exhausted. And I say, Lindsay, I have the answer to all of your problems. Yeah. Great setup, right? And I say, you and I need to fall madly in love with each other. I told you it was a terrible line. Okay. And so here's, here's how she responds. She says to me, nothing. And slowly looks away. So I did what any guy would do in this situation. Guys, if you're like, I don't know what I would do. This instinct would kick in. I laughed and I said, ha ha, just kidding. And that was my, that was my, my fail safe. Okay. So in that moment, I thought love was this thing that you just like fall into, like you just trip and fall and you land in love. Um, I, I do want to say in God's providence, I ended up marrying that girl. I have a picture of my family here. I believe I have a picture. Yeah, right? So that's, that's my wife, Lindsay. Uh, that's Gabriel. He is a sophomore. Corbin is a freshman. Emma is a seventh grader now. Uh, this picture is a little bit old. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a miracle of God that that family exists right there as you see it in this picture. But I thought that that's what love was. I thought it was this like feeling, this emotion. And I had such a misunderstanding of what real love is. See, we have, we have kind of what we call love. And we use love just like for so many different things. In the Greek language that the New Testament is written in, there's different words for love. There's eros, which is physical attraction. There's storge, which is like a, a familial, like a parental love for a child. There's philia, which is friendship. But then there's a divine kind of love. Where these human loves, these are, these are gifts, these are wonderful things, but there's a, there's a divine kind of love, and it's called agape. And it's the kind of love that God has demonstrated. It's the kind of love that's in God's very nature. It is a self-sacrificing, unconditional love that gives, that serves the good of another. This agape love is the very nature of who God is. Now, I'm going to, in like two seconds, I'm going to try and explain what we find in Scripture, and we're about to see, God says, let us make man in our image, that God is three and yet one. How many of you guys have heard the term Trinity before? Okay? Trinity is, is our 
word to describe what we find in the Bible. And if you're like, okay, so explain exactly what that's like. Uh, it transcends human understanding, which is part of why I believe that the Bible is legit. Because if we were making this thing up, we wouldn't say that here, here's how God's nature is and we can't totally explain it. But God is three distinct persons, yet one God. And so we're talking about three distinct persons. It's not like he changes from this person to this person to this person. He's all three. All three are God, yet there's one God. It's tri-unity, trinity, three and yet one. So don't think addition. This is how our, our human minds try and comprehend this. We go, okay, but, but one plus one plus one equals three. That's, that's how our minds work. Think multiplication. One times one times one equals one. Three persons, three distinct persons, one divine essence, which means that since the very beginning of creation, there's been this sort of dance going on. And you see this dance reflected all over creation. God is relational in his very nature. That since eternity passed, before God ever created the heavens and the earth, God has has expressed love in his very nature, giving and serving one another, three and yet one, one and yet three, and sort of this like dance, which is massive for our understanding of the, the answer to the question, why? Why did God create the heavens and the earth? He didn't create humanity. He didn't create you and me. He didn't create all the stars and all that we see so that he could receive love because he's always had that for all eternity. God created everything so that he could give love, so that he could share love. There's an invitation for us to be a part of this dance that has been going on for all eternity. Love existed before God ever created the heavens and the earth. C.S. Lewis writes it this way in Mere Christianity. He says, in Christianity, God is not an impersonal thing nor a static thing, not even just one person, but a dynamic pulsating activity, a life, a kind of drama almost. If you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The pattern of this three personal life is the great fountain of energy and beauty spurring up at the very center of reality. Early Greek church leaders had a word for this, perichoresis, which is where we get our, our word choreography. It's a dance. It's an orchestration. In Genesis, verse Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Remember, darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And you see God begin to create, and he's bringing order out of this chaos, this formless and, and void. And all of creation, what you see is this reflection of this dance. Now, I created something. I wanted to show you guys. I worked hard on this. This is a diorama. This chicken keeps falling over. By the way, when I went through TSA today, um, I saw this on their screen, and it just looked like this little miniature scene of this guy, like, chopping hay or whatever he's doing, and this person, and the lady's like, what are you doing? And I said, I am speaking at a camp to students, and she was like, okay, and, uh, and that, that was a good enough answer, except for the other bag had Play-Doh, we'll explain that later, and they were like, hey, this is like what explosives look like, so they had to swab every single bit of Play-Doh, um, but I got through. Anyhow, say for a moment that the people in my little diorama here became self-aware, like they, they had consciousness, and they, they could understand and perceive things and study things and be like, man, why is this chicken almost as big as this guy here? And, 
And why is, you know, what is this pig doing? And, and why is our world so small? And, and say for a moment, they had all of these thoughts and they began to wonder why. why. Why do we exist? Why is this world here? Why is it the way that it is? How could they ever know about me in their tiny little box? Like, how could they understand me and the story of, like, I flew to Africa, and I said this terrible line, and yet my wife still loves me. And, and like, they couldn't comprehend my world or who I am unless somehow I revealed myself to them. You tracking with me? And there's a few different ways I can do that. And over the next two days, we're going to talk about the different ways that, that I could do that and the ways that God has done that for us. One is, is that I could somehow, as I'm arranging all of this and, and I'm creating and I'm putting in trees and the grass and the water and the clouds and all of that, that there could be some kind of like just fingerprints, a reflection of my creativity in creation. That as they begin to study the things, they go, man, there's, a, there's an order to this. There's a beauty to this. There's a symmetry to this. That perhaps there's some thought behind all of this. And that that would be a reflection of my divine mind. If, if, if this was us and God was going to say, hey, I want to reveal myself, maybe he would do that in the, in the creation. Little fingerprints. Romans 1 says that, that we can learn about God, his invisible attributes, by, by studying what's been made, by looking at creation. And what we find in the box, when we look around us and we look at creation, we see signs of this dance all over. Cosmologists and physicists in the last century have concluded that everything in the universe started as light. Does that sound familiar? It's in Genesis when God said, let there be, let there be light. And light's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about light. It's very nature is it's, it's three and yet one, one and yet three. It's a reflection of the dance existing simultaneously as an electric wave, a magnetic wave, and a particle. It's wave and particle. It sees three things and yet one. And scientists are like, how do you explain that? And they're like, ah, I kind of can. Here's a couple different experiments. But it's a reflection of this, this dance. And then you look big and you look up at the stars. How many of you, uh, are you guys like in a city where you can't see the stars? Yes, okay. How many of you have ever gone out camping and looked up and, and seen like the Milky Way? Like you see like that cloud going across, it's just a bunch of tiny stars. Okay, isn't that amazing? Okay, up until recently, when I say recently, I'm talking about like in the grand scheme of human history, up until like the last hundred years, uh, we used to think that, that there was one galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And then one day, this guy named Edwin Hubble, he's looking up at the stars with his telescope, and he sees this like little blob, and he's studying it, and it's like, ooh, that's not a star. That's another galaxy outside of our galaxy. And on that day, the world was, their minds were blown, and they went, we don't have one galaxy. We have two galaxies. This is incredible. And then fast forward, we launch this telescope up into space. We name it after the guy who found the second galaxy. It's the Hubble Space Telescope. How many of you have ever heard of the Hubble Space Telescope? Okay, so they get this thing up, and it doesn't work at first, and then they fix it, and then they're looking at all these different stars, and they're looking at star-forming regions and all that, and they're, and they're seeing all of these different, and at this point, we had found lots of different galaxies, and they're looking at all these different galaxies all over. And the guy who was in charge of this program, of this really expensive telescope that's out in space, says, I got an idea. Let's point it at nothing and see what we see. 
And everybody's like, you're going to get fired. Like, you can't spend all this money and all this time staring at nothing. Because they had to just, like, for days, like, just look at this spot. And if you take your arm, stretch out your arm in front of you, and imagine holding just a grain of sand at arm's length. That's how big the spot in the sky was that they pointed the, the Hubble Space Telescope. This dark little spot, grain of sand, arm's length. And they just left it open. And then they got this image when it came back. All of those are other galaxies. And that tiny little dark spot, this is called the Hubble Deep Field. And they went, whoa, we, we thought there was nothing there, but we just stared at it for forever, and that little tiny bit of light was able to get in, and we saw that there's actually tons of other galaxies. There might be millions of galaxies out there. So they said, let's, let's do it again. Let's go even further. And so they did it again, and here's what they found. As they looked even further, they went, wow, there's even more galaxies. And then just recently, what did we launch into space? Anybody know? James Webb, Space Telescope. My guy, right there. Are you a science nerd? All right, me too. It's cool, man. Don't be ashamed. All right. So then they did the same thing, and they, they now only had to like look at it for like part of a day. And here's what they saw even further out into space. And now they're estimating that we have approximately two trillion galaxies, two trillion. I wanna keep this image up and I want you to just think about the reality of the dance all reflected around us in creation. Trillions of galaxies. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19.1. There's this dance of invisible forces we're just beginning to understand between these galaxies. Each galaxy and symphony with hundreds of billions of stars in each individual galaxy, which are these thermal nuclear reactors like our sun. They're alive with motion, fusing hydrogen into elements, radiating photons. This energy collides with our planet, sustains all living things, plants, insects, bacteria, animals locked in this complex dance. Every living thing is sustained by giving and receiving. I want everybody right now taking a deep breath. Slowly let it out. The very nature of what it is to be alive is we, we receive, but then we have, to, we have to give back. You could try and hold your breath for a long time, but eventually you're going to have to give that thing back. It's this dance that's reflected all throughout creation. The moon dances with the earth and with the tides. Zoom into the cell of every living thing, and you don't find this like globule mass that we once thought it was, you find these organelles and this beautiful synchronized dance. You look at molecules held together by a dance of charges and binding elements. You zoom in further, you see protons, neutrons, electrons in motion and dance with one another. You speed those up, you smash them into each other, you find gluons and leptons and, and all of these subatomic particles and what we once thought were these hard static particles are actually these wobbles in quantum fields and you're like, Robert, can you explain that? No, not really, it's crazy. But everything that we find, the more we discover in science, the more we see this reflection that everything is in this dance. The Bible says that it's a reflection of God and his nature. In Genesis, God said, verse 26, let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. Why is God using the plural? Because God is three and yet one, one and yet three. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock 
and all the wild animals and over all the creatures moving along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. We learn about this God who created the heavens and the earth. And what we learn in the very first page of our Bible is that God is generous. He's creative and he creates all of this. And then he gives it to us and says, hey, join me. Subdue the earth. See, I I started with chaos and now you have the beauty of the cosmos and you have the beauty of the animals and you have all of this and I've given you the gift of relationship with one another and I've created you to be in a dance with one another the way that, that I've been in a dance for all of eternity. I want you to share in this love and he just gives everything to us and he invites us to, to rule with him. Yet in that invitation, he gives us a choice. He says, or you could, you could choose not to, to join this dance. You could choose to, to do your own thing and to reject me because for there to be love, there has to be a choice. So God offers a choice. We'll talk about this more tomorrow, but we choose to do it on our own. To not join the dance with him, but to try and make everything revolve around us. Rather than this giving and serving and this give and take, we go, no, I want to be the middle of everything and I want everything else to revolve around me. And we fell out of rhythm with the dance. That's because there's a lie, the original lie. And throughout this next couple days, we're going to be talking about truth. And the original lie was this in the Garden of Eden, where there you had this beautiful creation and you had this beautiful invitation and you had everything. Behold, it's very good. God looks at it and goes, man, this is amazing. There was this lie. And the lie came from Satan and the lie was this. Can God really be trusted? And every lie that we're tempted to believe today is that can God really be trusted? Is God really telling the truth or is he holding out on us? And what the Bible teaches, what the Bible reveals, and we're going to talk about why I believe, why we can believe that the Bible is truly from God, is that of course he can. That thing that our souls are actually longing for, it's found in this dance. It's found in this relationship that we were created for with God and and with, with others. We were created to join the dance. See, when when things stop moving in creation, when a star stops giving and and serving, it implodes into what we now know as a black hole, massive stars that implode into a black hole. Or into just a, a dense metal. When animals, when living things stop, stop the dance, stop giving and receiving, we call this death. This isn't what we were made for. This world is not as it should be. And all of that is a reflection of this this dance that has stopped. Yet the beauty of what scripture teaches is God is still inviting us to join him in the dance. 
Jesus says that truth sets us free. And I believe for some of us, we've been, we've been bound by lies. Lies that we've told ourselves, lies that, lies that have been spoken about us to us, lies that exist in our culture that, that we're tempted to believe, lies of the enemy that God can't be trusted. And my prayer for us over these next couple days is that God's truth would be a light that pushes out the darkness that we would be open to receiving. Because for so many of us, we're, we're chasing after these things. We're chasing after belonging. We're chasing after meaning. We're chasing after this thing. And we think it's love. And we're chasing after these, these desires that are in our heart. And if you're chasing after all of those things, listen, that makes you normal. But what you're actually chasing after is God. And God is so much closer than you think that what you're actually longing for, what you're actually trying to find and you're grasping at it and you're not quite getting it, it's right there and it's available to us and we find it through the truth. The truth will bring light into the darkness and that truth will set us free. And so I wanna pray for us, I wanna pray that that truth would be revealed, that it would be spoken, that we would receive it from God's word. John 1, after he gives this analogy and this kind of, nod to creation in Genesis. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He says in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full, full of grace and truth. Pray with me, Father, for each one of us here, we need to receive the truth of who you are. God, when we understand who you are, that means we can begin to understand who we are. And we can begin to understand these bigger questions of why we are. I pray that Holy Spirit, as we gather together, as we spend time in worship, you say it's good to worship. In Psalm 92, you say that it's good for us to gather and sing with the instruments, your praises. I pray as we do that, I pray as we open your word that truth would wash over us. I pray against the lies that some have carried to this camp this week. Maybe they're lies that they've been telling themselves, that something's not a problem, that something will satisfy, that they maybe are mistaken, don't understand that that won't. That something will prove their value. Whatever those lies are, God, we pray against them. I pray that the light of your truth would shine so brightly, it would cast out darkness in our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships. So much so, God, that wherever we go, we'd be a reflection of that light. And God, that your truth, you're full of grace and truth, meaning you're full of love, even when we don't deserve it. That God, you cast out the darkness with your truth. May we receive that this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.